Hello, and welcome to the Heaven Bound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we're opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life the way it was meant to be and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us on the journey today. This month, we're talking about what I wish someone had told me. We kind of took this off of a class I taught some time ago, and we're just looking at some ideas that uh, a lot of us realize later on, and they might have helped us just a little bit had we known this going in there. And so we're just being frank and putting all the cards on the table and just kind of talking about these things. In our first segment, we talked about the journey can be long, and there are days that's just hard. And that's just reality. Um, when you become a Christian, it's not just skipping through to the next day and then we're in heaven. You've got uh, to live for Jesus. And for a lot of us, it's been decades and decades and decades. And that can seem like a long, long time. And uh, that that can wear on somebody if you're not principled and following what God wants us to do. So today, as we move on to our second segment in this series, What I Wish Someone Had Told Me, we want to talk about the idea that Satan doesn't leave you alone. And again, I think this is a uh, uh, thought that some people struggle with. Uh, I became a Christian. I was baptized in Jesus. And I thought after that, there'd be like this little invisible shield around me and life would always be great. But here comes the devil knocking on the door, tempting me day after day, and people struggle with that. And sometimes they think, well, maybe I'm not doing something right. Uh, Why is this going on? And so uh, that's where we're going to go today. Now, I think uh, a great opening study of this is looking at just a transition from Matthew 3 to Matthew 4. As Matthew 3 ends, we find Jesus being baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. As chapter 4 begins, immediately, uh, verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Right after he was baptized, here comes a series of tests and temptations. And we see that this follows right after he was baptized. And that that's something that happens to us as well. And so uh, I think this is something that we need to look at seriously. Sometimes a young person gets baptized and, and they think, okay, now, you know, I'm going to be protected all the, all the rest of my days, through my teen years, my college years. And they don't realize that Satan's always lurking around somewhere and you have to be alert and you have to be careful. And we'll talk about some things God tells us about these things to help us with this. Yeah, you mentioned Matthew's account of Jesus' temptation. It's interesting how Luke similarly documents that. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And you can read about how Jesus withstands those temptations, uh, repeatedly returning to, it is written, it is written, But when Luke describes the back end of that in Luke chapter four, verse 13, listen to this language. When the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him, from Jesus until an opportune 
time. And that is exactly what we are describing when we are separated from God because of our sins before becoming a Christian. Obviously, we are described in the Bible as being a part of the domain of darkness. And it might be easy to think, well, once God redeems me and brings me into his kingdom, it's going to get easier. But even with the Son of God, even after 40 days being tempted by the devil, after that, the devil was looking for his next opportunity. Yeah, and and I think we can kind of highlight some of those in the life of Jesus. Multiple times in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 19, Matthew chapter 22, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they didn't just come with questions. They came with questions to test Jesus. That was a form of temptation. They're trying to trap Jesus. Uh, we remember the occasion when Jesus talked about uh, he's going to go to Jerusalem and die, and Peter said that will never happen. And the Lord's reply was, get behind me, Satan. And then even upon the cross, in the last moments of his life, the charge was, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Another temptation. Temptations coming in the form of of questions, temptations coming even through his disciples. And so when we think about this, Satan left him, but he came back. And that's something that we have to deal with ourselves. And so I think right off the bat, one of the first things we have to ask is why? Well, you know, now that I've been cleansed, well, now that I'm on God's side, why does Satan just go and bother someone else. Why is he still bothering me? Yeah, I, the best passage I know to answer that question is that classic First Peter 5, verse 8, where Christians are challenged, warned, encouraged by the Apostle Peter to understand you need to be sober-minded, be watchful. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls. You used that verb earlier, Roger. This devil prowls around like a roaring lion. Well, why won't he just leave me alone? The last phrase is, he is seeking someone to devour. And if I understand the way that God depicts him now on this side of the cross, we know that Jesus described hell as being prepared for the devil and his angels. In the last book of the Bible, Revelation, when it becomes clear that the devil is not going to be able to overthrow God or his son, his plan to redeem humanity, he is enraged and he is pictured as coming down and making war against those who belong to the Lamb of God. And the last thing that I would throw on that is, okay, well, in what have we been washed? How have we been sanctified? How how have we been forgiven of our sins? The Bible uses this beautiful image of being washed in the blood of the Lamb. And we understand that the Lamb sent by God, provided by God to take away the sins of the world, that's Jesus. But Roger, can you imagine, uh, let's say you go on a safari uh, in the, the middle of nowhere Africa, and you are spending the night out in the middle of nowhere, and you are covered in the blood of a lamb. 
I'm guessing you would get a lot of attention from a lion. I think so. Or, <laughs> or if you're in the ocean, there'd be some sharks circling yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, they would. They would. And, and, and so that's a contrast he's making there for us. And, and I think to that idea, why doesn't Satan leave me alone? Well, when you become a child of God and you are washed, he no longer has you. Yeah. You belong to Christ. Uh, that, that's a statement Paul made in Galatians 2, verse 20. I've been crucified. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So Satan wants you back. That's, that's a whole idea. Before you came to Christ, you were, you were lost. You, you were in your sins. Satan had you. Now you've crossed the line and stepped on the other side, and Satan wants you back. And, and if he can get you back, the world becomes just a little bit darker. If he can get you back, your influence is not the way it should be. And if he can get you back, then who else that you're connected to might he pull as well. And so so with that idea, the reason why Satan doesn't leave you alone is simply because you now belong to Jesus. Uh, the apostle would say in the book of Ephesians in chapter 6, and verse 12, our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's the role of the devil. He is the wicked one, and so he wants to get you back. And so uh, as a disciple, young or old, we, we need to realize that as long as there's breath in our body, Satan's going to be knocking on the door of our heart. Now, one of the things I think we, we learn, we learn this through the scriptures, and we learn this just through life, is that as you age, temptations change. Uh, Paul would say in 2 Timothy 2, verse 22 to Timothy, to flee youthful lusts. Uh, when I read that passage, uh, the image that does not come to my mind is somebody who's 95 years old. Uh, you get the image of someone who's young, a teenager, someone in their 20s, someone in their 30s. They have youthful lusts. But you become 40, 50, 60. It doesn't mean, well, you're just too old now. Satan's going to leave you alone. No, uh, the temptation changes. Sometimes it goes from fleshly things to mental things or attitude things and how we view people and, and whether or not we can forgive others. But long as there's life in our body, that old devil's going to hang around, and we have to learn how God wants us to deal with him. You know, you mentioned Ephesians 6 earlier. Ephesians 4 26 and 27, I think, is a key passage along these lines. We we heard that the devil left Jesus until an opportune time. The Apostle Paul picks up on the same sort of language when he tells Christians, be angry and do not sin. So there maybe is that sort of well, um, when I was younger, maybe it was a, a, a lustful sort of temptation that was the strongest. Maybe as I'm a little older, it's a, a matter of being quick-tempered, angry, having to uh, deal with my frustrations. He says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And listen to this. Give no opportunity to the devil. And so we've heard it from both angles. The devil looked for an opportune time in the life of Jesus. Here, Christians are being warned. You need to be on guard against giving an opportunity to the devil. Roger, when you hear that language, how might we be the ones who give 
the devil an opportunity. Well, a lot of times we're just not thinking about the depth of that spiritually. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we're just driving down the road and somebody is tailgating us and we get real mad and, and we're not thinking about anger as, as Paul is addressing this here. And pretty soon we'll start thinking, well, I'm going to just slam on my brakes, make him slam on his brakes. And when we're right into the middle of road rage and all kinds of things can come out of that, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're just letting the devil sit in the car right beside us. We're just giving them an opportunity, an opportunity to have thoughts we shouldn't have, to say words we shouldn't have, we shouldn't say, and, and to do things we shouldn't do. And so that happens when we're just not really paying attention to our soul and the circumstances around that. And so, you know, it's interesting. He does not say, do not be angry. Uh, the passage says, be angry, yet do not sin. Now, there are occasions in our Bible when Jesus was angry. But he never said something he shouldn't have said. He never had to go back and apologize. He never, in his anger, sinned. And so, as the devil might have used his anger as a temptation, Jesus did not sin. And so, uh, as we think about that opportunity time, uh, the things we watch, the things we look at on the Internet or on TV, uh, they, they can help us be strong or they can just open the door to let the, the devil come right on in. And those are some things that we, we just constantly have to consider and think about. You know, there are so many ways in 2024 that I think that opportunity can be extended. Uh, Roger, you work hard on quick quotes that we post to social media and at charlestownroad.org uh, Monday through Friday. And one of the ones you recently shared was, if you have to sneak to do it, lie to cover it up or delete it to avoid it being seen, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. And I would just add, okay, if if I have to sneak to do it, lie to cover it up, delete it to avoid it being seen, what I'm really doing is giving the devil an opportunity. Absolutely. And, and again, you know, you look over your shoulder and make sure no one's looking at you. Why? You must be doing something you shouldn't be doing. And, and that's just, that just encourages the devil to throw more things at you. And so over and over, the, the Bible gives us the help. So what we learn in this lesson is the devil doesn't leave you alone, but neither does God. And God, through the scriptures, equips us to deal with this. Now, what, what we would love for God to do is just take the devil up and just put him behind a big rubber band and flip him out to Pluto <laughs> and you're done. You're out of my life. And that, that would be just a, a, a dream come true. But he doesn't do that. But what he does do is equip us. Yeah. So when he knocks on that door, I don't answer it. And so there, there are multiple things we have to look at. How, how, uh, you consider who's around you, the influences in your life, the filling of your heart with the word of God, the walking daily with Christ. Those are all things that happens. James four says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now he's not going to go very far. He'll come back. But at that moment, he will. Uh, the Corinthians were told in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 about the temptation there that God provides a way yeah. of escape. And it's interesting, when you walk through several of the sins we read about in the Bible, the different people, the different characters, usually when we start digging through that, you can see 
there was a door of escape, but that person just didn't see it. I mean, take, for example, David and Bathsheba. And when David sins for Bathsheba, one of David's men says, is this not Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? Right there, is this, he's just telling them she is a married woman, and guess what? She is not married to you. There's the door of escape. But David didn't look at it. And so when, when we think about the devil being around us, tempting us, always there, we're not alone. We're not, we're not alone because we have God's people. We have God's word. We have the power of prayer. We have all these different tools. If we'll only think about picking them up and using them as God wants us to. Yeah. Could I throw in here before we're done? Just because I'm being tempted doesn't mean I'm on the the wrong track, right? I I think of Job chapter one, how this classic Old Testament character is introduced. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. And his life got really, really, really hard. We live in a culture that at times slips into believing the lie that, well, as long as life is good, I must be on the right track. And if life is tough or I really have to work to deny myself or I just can't seem to catch a break because trial after trial after trial is coming, I I must be on the wrong track. God must be angry at me. No, not necessarily. Both Old and New Testaments, you you referenced that 1 Corinthians 10 passage temptation is described as being common to man. But you you used the phrase earlier, Roger, God won't leave us alone. Paul puts it as God is faithful, right? And there is always that way of escape. Just because I'm being tempted doesn't mean I'm on the right track, but when I am being tempted, when those temptations just seem to be coming my way persistently, I've got to hang on to the anchor of Jesus Christ. I've got to stay on the rock. I I can't buy the lie that, well, the good life is over there just across the line. Nor buy into the lie that I just can't help it. Yeah. I can't help it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You don't have to, you don't have to, to give in to what the devil wants you to do. And, And we need to also just put this through this. We, I think it's kind of assumed, but we just need to understand this. There's a difference between temptation and sin. Yeah. Jesus was tempted but Jesus was without sin. And you will be tempted, but that doesn't mean you, you always sin. And so uh, I've, I've always viewed it as temptation is the devil knocking on the door. Now, do I get up and open the door up and let, let him in, or do I just let him stand out there and keep knocking? And so you will be tempted. You'll, you'll be tempted all your life. Uh, I remember being a young, young Christian, talking to a man who was about 70 years old, and he said, he just told me, he said, Roger, you're on one side of the hill and I'm on the other side of the hill and the devil doesn't leave you alone on either side. Mm. And I thought, well, that's great. You know, <laughs> you know? but, but, the, but this was something I, I was having to learn with and, and understand he doesn't leave you alone, but God is there. You get stronger in your faith. You walk closer to Jesus and you find yourself resisting more, fighting more, standing up for God more. 
and you find yourself, okay, I can, I can do this with God. On my own, you won't, but with God, you can. What I Wish Someone Had Told Me. Great series. Last Friday, the journey can seem long at times. Today, temptation is real. Satan isn't going to leave us alone. There are opportune times that he is looking for. What a great reminder. Don't give him that opportunity. Roger, we've got two more lessons in this series, but I appreciate you joining me today, and we so appreciate all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound podcast. We hope our discussion has helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Always remember, when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound, and the best is yet to come.